Luke chapter number 9, starting with verse number 49, the Bible says, And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and forbade him, because he followeth not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. And it came to pass, when the time was come, that he should be received up, and steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them, and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this church and for all the, those that work so very hard to make it uh, what it is. I thank you, Lord God, for the, the faithfulness of their labors, Lord God, the sacrifices that they make. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for how uh, they can come together and work together for your honor and glory. Father, I, I thank you for allowing us to be here and to be a part of this. Uh, Lord, I thank you most importantly for your sacrifice that was made on Calvary that makes it possible that we can even be a part of the church. Father, I pray that as we handle the holy things that you've given us, Lord, your word, your will, Father, I pray, dear God, that we would do it with the utmost reverence and conviction, that you would guide our hearts, direct us, and Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your love today. pray you'd meet with us now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So we come here looking at this section of Scripture. They're dealing with the subject mishandling of holy things. I want to point out to you, we're looking at two separate situations here, and we'll deal with them accordingly there. We'll split them up and look at them both accordingly there. But this is a unique section of Scripture here, and the fact that it was not, that, uh, it was not Jesus that was rebuking demons. It was not uh, Jesus that was rebuking drunkards or or, uh, Him rebuking the depraved here. Jesus is here dealing with His disciples. He is dealing with the child of God there. He is dealing with those uh, that have walked with Him for a a good length of time there. He is dealing with them uh, in a a way in which they they should have known better, but they had to be corrected. And this uh, reminds me of the fact that God is always working in our hearts, and it reminds us that we are to be very uh, spiritually minded, to be very careful in the things we do. Now, it is interesting to note... That just prior to this occasion here, uh, James and John, Peter, James and John, had just seen the Lord Jesus Christ glorified on what is called the Mount of Transfiguration. They were allowed to be brought up uh, on the top of this mount there, and they were allowed to see a glimpse of the glory of God there, unveiled, uh, literally a, a taking off of the tabernacle, which is His earthly body, and they saw Him high and lifted up there. They saw Him speaking with Moses and with Elijah, the prophets of old there, Elijah being a picture uh, of the rapture there, Him not dying, but being translated, Moses uh, being a picture of the law, uh, or the Jews there coming together, so it's a common uh, uh, bond between the two of them. But He sees there uh, Christ there high and lifted up, and just shortly after that, they come down and they, they uh, go on and they, they rebuke someone for doing a work in God's name. They come on and they ask, should we call down fire from heaven? Friends, it tells us something that is very important. Most of our spiritual defeats come after our greatest spiritual victories. When we are not paying attention, when we might be high-minded, when we might be relaxed in our service a little bit, and we drop our guard, so to speak, there. First uh, Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. That Friends, uh, remember, Christ is our enemy. He is our adversary. What he is looking for is for us to drop our guard. 
uh, if you think of a, of a champion fighter, if you think of someone that is a seasoned boxer, a seasoned competitor there, when you see that fighter that is in that ring there, his eyes are consistently locked on that opponent. He is not in any way, shape, or form. He's not looking to his corner. He's listening for him, but he's not looking. He's not taking his eyes off his opponent because he knows the moment he drops that hand and exposes himself that a seasoned fighter is going to take advantage of that. Friends, how much more so when we deal... Uh, with spiritual matters, when we are in that opponent there, uh, the Bible says this is not a game, but it is a battle. It's literally a war that is waging, spiritual warfare. How much more so should we constantly have our guard up there uh, when we come into the, the, the attack of the devil there? Now, uh, I want you to notice uh, these two situations there and how they display the mishandling of holy things, but I want you to notice that it's among God's people. First of all, in verse number 49 and 50, we see a situation that is dealing with arrogance. Here we come to a place that the Bible says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. I want you to notice several things this morning as we look at these two verses here. I want you to notice, first of all, John's pride there. In verse number 49, first part, he says, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him there. The word devils literally means demons. There's only one devil, and that is Satan. But they saw this man casting out these demons there, and they, they saw him uh, commanding these demons to come out in the name of Jesus Christ. Obviously, from taking from the text there, he was accomplishing what he was doing there. Now, uh, it's interesting to note that this was not a sorcerer. As we see uh, several accounts there in the book of Acts, a sorcerer uh, trying to exalt his own power. This was not a false prophet uh, trying to use the name of Christ uh, to bring his own fame there. We saw that in, in the book of Acts there with the seven sons of Sceva there where they, uh, they stood there and they said, We command thee uh, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. They saw that Paul was popular. They saw that those that went along with Paul uh, were celebrated there. And they said, We command thee in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. They didn't know Christ. And that demon looked at them and he said, Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? And he jumped on them and overtook all seven of them. This man here that was casting out these demons was doing it in the name of God. They're in the power of Christ there, doing it according to the will of God. And here they come, and John here is named there, but the disciples as a whole, they rebuke this man. He said, preacher, why would they do that? Because of jealousy. Because of pride. Here's a man that was doing God's work, but He was not doing it with them. And it bothered them. It bothered them to the point where they rebuked Him. Friends, uh, what a sad testimony that is when we see that there. Uh, friends, the, the casting out of demons would not have been a problem to James and John had it been done among them. But because it was someone else, it was something that caused a great problem uh, that was being done there. The, the phrase, in, the, in thy name, what it literally means is in full accordance with the mind and the words of Jesus. This was a fellow disciple doing God's work, but he was doing it at a different place, and it bothered them. You say, oh, preacher, that's sad. Friends, we share the same thing. When we look down the street at the church that is running more people, or is, that is uh, getting more things going, we say, oh, well, they, uh, they, they must be uh, compromising to get it. Friends, why don't we just celebrate the fact Amen. that God's kingdom is being added to? 
Whether it's us that does it or whether it's someone else, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, we're all working together for the same common cause. And it's not our name that's to be exalted, it's His. There was a jealousy among James and John that there was an immaturity, spiritually speaking, and they thought that because uh, this person was not a part of their company or doing it their way, uh, that they had to stand up and they had to rebuke them. Friends, for when we see the work of God being done, we should encourage it. We should help one another, edify one another, so that we are able to do the work of God. Friends, you realize that inside this church house, this is not where the majority of evangelism is supposed to take place. You say, preacher, what do you mean? It's it's the church house, friends. This is where edification takes place. The building up, the strengthening, the equipping of the saints to take the gospel from here, out there. In here, it's it's friendly territory. In here, most people that come here are here because they want to be. Most people that come here are here uh, knowing what they're getting into. Most people have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are not trying to evangelize one another or outdo one another. We are trying to build one another up. We're trying to strengthen each other. My job as the pastor is not to lead every person to Christ. My job is to equip you to go and to lead other people to Christ. Again, it is a branching out there, a working together for the networking and the expanding of the kingdom of God. That's edification. We can't do that. We can never be solidified or strengthened if we're in a place where we're trying to tear other people down. Well, they didn't, do it, they didn't do it our way, or they didn't do it here, so it, it, it must not be right, friends. What a sad thing this was. It was, a, uh, it was John's pride that we see also John's prejudice in the second part of that verse. So he says, because he followeth not with us. This is the attitude there to put that in layman's terms. What he is saying is, only our church is doing God's work. Or only our way is the right way. Friends, there are many churches that are out there. There are still many good pulpits that are preaching the Word of God there. That's what has kept America afloat as of right now. If it wasn't for those good preachers, if it wasn't for the good uh, Christians that are standing there, uh, standing in that hedge, making up the gap there, I believe God would have destroyed this nation a long time ago, but there's still a remnant. Abraham said if we can find ten, we'll just spare the city. Friends, thank God, there's still some to be found here. We ought to rejoice with that fact. And the uh, same thing happened when you look in uh, Moses there in the wilderness wanderings, the children of Israel as they were going through the wilderness. Uh, an account Numbers 11 verses 26 through 29. I want to read it for you. It says, But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad, and the name of the other uh, was Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them, and they were of them that were written, but went not out unto the tabernacle. And they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men, answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake? Would God that all the people were prophets... And that the Lord would put His Spirit upon them. Here's these two men. says they were prophesying outside the camp. They didn't go to the tabernacle. The Spirit of God rested upon them. Here comes this young lad. He said, Moses, there's a problem. They're not doing it exactly the same way we are. Joshua, uh, who would later become the leader of Israel in a state of immaturity and in a response, though he may have been zealous, he was zealous in the wrong way. And he said there, uh, uh, Moses rebuke them. And Moses in that great place of maturity, 
And that great place of spiritual strength, he said, why would I rebuke them? He said, I would, I wish that everybody had the Spirit of God resting on my dad. I wish all of us could prophesy like that. What a tremendous, tremendous attitude there. That he was not concerned about whether or not they were standing in one specific place, but he was concerned in them doing the work of God. Friends, that's the attitude that we need today. There is so much spiritual immaturity in the church there, not just Northside. I'm talking about the entire body of Christ there where people are so concerned about how it is going to benefit them instead of how it is going to exalt Christ. Friends, I, I can, I'll go ahead and tell you, there is no one person in this church that keeps this thing afloat. And I'm talking from the pulpit to the back pew. Amen. If God were to move me on, He could easily move somebody else in here. Now, don't get excited. God's not telling me to go anywhere. This is where He wants me for right now. Don't get too excited. But what I'm saying is there's not a one of us that's irreplaceable. The Spirit of God is irreplaceable. And if He leaves, then you might as well close the doors. If the Spirit of God departs, I remember when we read in, in, read in the book of Ezekiel where He witnessed the glory of God depart from the temple. He watched it leave Solomon's temple. I wonder how heartbreaking that must have been to see that Spirit of God that once filled the temple so bright that the men could not even minister inside of there. The Spirit of God came in there. The priests could not even walk in. And now all of a sudden, God has been rejected. He's been refused. And that Spirit of God departs and He watches it. I wonder how heartbreaking that must have been to see something like that. Friends, I wonder how heartbreaking it was to the Lord Jesus Christ, how discouraging it was to Him. Now, He knew the heart of man. He knew that they had to be matured. I understand that. He's sovereign. But I wonder how heartbreaking it was to Him that the disciples, the very ones who had walked with Him, friends, Peter, James, and John, all right, though they were three of the twelve apostles, they were considered more of an inner circle, though they were allowed to see certain things that the other apostles did not get to see. They were present at the Mount of Transfiguration. They were there in the garden when Christ prayed. Uh, They were able to see certain things that others had not. And here they are, uh, that that inner circle. They had just come down from that mountain. They had just seen the glory of God. And here they come, and out of of, uh, jealousy, out of immaturity, out of pride and prejudice, they look and they say, we rebuke that man. He wasn't doing it our way. Notice the response of Christ. We see there not only the John's pride and John's prejudice, but we see Jesus' proclamation in verse number 50. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. I want you to notice the command there, Forbid him not. Never, never hinder the work of God. Never hinder the will of God or the person of God that is carrying it out. It's not about us. It's about Him. Ronald Reagan said this. He said, There is no limit to the amount of good that can be accomplished when we don't care who gets the credit. When it is not our name that is being exalted. Friends, the world. Hollywood. What do you see there? When you see those movies that are brought out there, uh, that that actor's name has got to be in in bold letters. They've got to see that thing. Uh, uh, the, the, The world's recognition there. Is a title and, and power and authority. And and Friends, when we do it, it's to be done quietly. The Bible says when you give, do it so the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. 
When you pray, uh, do it in that prayer closet. When you fast, do it quietly to yourself. When you do anything, do it for the exaltation of Christ and never for yourself. I love when, when, when you see the difference, when you see uh, in the book of Acts when Peter and John and them get a hold of this thing and they start to realize that it's not about them and there's a difference that is made there. You see them when they're going up to the temple and that man sat outside the, uh, the temple gate beautiful and begged there. Peter said, get up. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up. Behold. And that man went to praise him. They went to a uh, group and to praise him. He said, we, it, this wasn't by our power. This wasn't by our authority. It's by the name of Jesus. Paul did the same thing there when he'd come in uh, to those heathenistic uh, nations and cities there and see revival and see uh, regeneration taking place there. And they'd go to make those false gods on them. He said, it's not us. Don't bow down to us. It's Christ. That's the mentality that the church needs to have today. We are saved by grace today. The word grace means unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. We didn't do anything for God to come by and say, you know what? You deserve a place in heaven. It was grace that came down to where we were. Came looking for you and me. Picked us up. Washed us off. Cleansed us. Set us on solid ground. And made us whole there. It had nothing to do with us or our merit. It is all about Christ. Our salvation is in Christ. Our sanctification is in Christ. That means that God continually works in us. As that potter works that clay. And He continually molds and shapes us. Not because we deserve it but because of God's precious love. Friends, I can't speak for anybody else, but I can tell you with the utmost honesty, if it were up to me to keep myself saved, I'd be a hell-bound sinner. If it were up to me, by my good works or, or, or my good uh, deeds or my good heart or this, that, and the other, I'd be a hell-bound sinner. The Bible says the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's why we see, when you look at some of these great preachers and evangelists, and you look at some of these great men, and some of these great ladies, that's why you see some of these men that have run off with other, other women. That's why you see homes that have been broken, things like that, because that heart is deceitful. And when it's done by our own strength, guess what? We will fail. We see that here with James and John. Again, could you imagine? I mean, put yourself in this perspective for just a minute. Could you imagine... That just a short time prior, they saw Christ in His heavenly demeanor, in His heavenly uh, presentation. And they saw Him, that body, literally that tabernacle, that robe. Uh, he was on robe there and they saw Him in glory and splendor. I mean, uh, the, the, the very light of God and the power of God shone. And, and, and you see the, the heavens opened up there and you see the voice of God. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. They saw that. And yet very shortly after that, they rebuked somebody for doing God's work, but it wasn't their way. That is a testimony to the heart of man today. None of us are able by ourselves to do this. Christ said, forbid him not. Do not hinder the work of God. Amen. Friends, if you're not going to do the work of God, get out of the way of somebody else who is. Amen. We stand and we, we many times criticize, oh, that, you know, that, I, that, that person didn't do very good with this and that. Are we, what are we doing? That's 
If we're not willing to get up there and do it, then we certainly shouldn't be willing to get up and talk about it. Don't hinder the work of God. There was a command that was given Christ also, not only in the command there that we see, but secondly in verse number 50, there was a correction. Look at the second part of that. For he that is not against us is for us. I think about soldiers when I think about this. We think about the army of God. I think about soldiers. Could you imagine when you have these wars there, it's not just the army that goes in or the navy that goes in or the marines or or the air force. It is a combined effort. Now these men, though they are different divisions, they are all one army. When they come in, whether it says Air Force or it says Marines or it says uh, United States Army, whatever it is, it's still under the banner of that American flag. That's right. And it's held together. That American flag holds authority, <laughs> holds uh, importance above what division is. It's one. It's different divisions, but it is the same army. Right. Could you imagine if they got on that battlefield and they started fighting against one another? Saying, wait a second, this is, this is my job to take this one down. No, they work together for the common cause there. Friends, you and I, we may be under different banners with others. There's different divisions. There's some that are evangelists. There's some that are missionaries. There's some uh, that are preachers. There's some that are teachers. There's some that are Baptists. There's some that are uh, Methodists. There's some that are... Uh, and on and on and on it could go. But it should be under the banner of that Christian flag. Under the banner of the cross of Jesus Christ. That is what should tie us all together in unity. He said, He that is not against us is for us. I'll be the first to tell you as your pastor, there will be times we will differ in opinion on things. You know why? Because we're human. Right. And that's a part of life. As long as we have a mutual respect for one another and a mutual respect for the work that we're doing and that is to further the gospel, then we'll be just fine. But see, when, when you see things like this, Satan sits back and laughs at that. He sits back and he says, why would I even bother to mess with them anymore? They're already tearing themselves down. They're fighting against each other. I don't even need to come in here. Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. There's got to be a unity among God's people there. He that is not against us is for us there. Friends, too many of God's people... Too many of God's people. And again, when I say this, I am talking about the universal church, the entire body of Christ. Hinder the work of God simply by saying three little words. They hinder souls being saved. They hinder heaven being expanded. They hinder the filling of God's will by three simple words. And those words are, look at me. That will always extinguish the flames of the gospel. That will always extinguish the work of Christ and the cause of Christ. When you see a true man of God, your Billy Grahams, your, your evangelists and things like that, it was never, never about them. It was always about Christ. Yeah. This nonsense that you see on TV where the focal point is put on this faith healer or this apostle or this whatever you... That's exactly what it is. It's nonsense. Because anytime you see the focus taking off of the Lord Jesus Christ and put on a man, you know it's wrong. The Holy Spirit Himself 
If you study that scripture, the Holy Spirit himself, you will never see where that spirit ever exalts himself. He always exalts Christ. If the Holy Spirit exalts Christ, how much more so should we? Friends, what a tremendous lesson this is to us today. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Friends, if you can sing, sing for the glory of God. If you can teach, pour your heart into it and do it. If you can, uh, if you can sit down and talk with people and you're able to, uh, uh, a natural soul winner, you're able to relate to people, do it with all your heart. If you say, preacher, I'm up in age and I can't get out like I used to, I can't move around. Friends, get a hold of heaven and pray. Amen. Every one of us have something we can do for God. And if we still have breath in our body, that means God's not done with us yet. Whatever it is, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all unto the glory of God. Amen. Today, I wonder if we would be mature enough as Christians to get out of the way and say, Lord, it's all about you. I wonder if we'd be like those soldiers that no matter what branch of the military we have written on our chest, we're still underneath that American flag. Friends, I don't... I, I, honestly don't really care what a sign on the front of a church says. I care what's going on inside of it. Those signs can be deceiving. We're living in a time of apostasy. And it's sad to see that there are many Baptist churches that are liberal as liberal can be. There are many, there are many Methodist churches. There's many Episcopalians that have gone away. But there's still some good ones. And we will never accomplish what God wants us to accomplish if we're not willing to work together. God help us that the one who gets the glory is the one who deserves it. Let's all stand this morning, heads bowed, and eyes closed.